are listening to Music City Revival. This is episode three. I'm your host, Dan Hagen. And today we are going to talk about uh, the, the modern state of Music City post-tornado, post uh, the coronavirus, um, post all the venues shutting down, tours being canceled, and, and the implications for that and how we are, as a revival, are going to adapt and grow in this time period. And uh, I'd like to start off with uh, singing a song here that I wrote with my buddy Bob Murphy, who's an economist uh, by trade, and he's also a singer and an artist, and we wrote this song. Uh, and this song has a lot of implications. You can hear lots of different things. Um, you can go see the lyric video under Bob Murphy's name that kind of explains what we're talking about. But I think this song is very relevant to the times. It's called Get to Higher Ground. Tidal wave coming, what you gonna do? Comes down crashing on top of you. Wish you listened, stop playing the fool. Just another number wiped out by the blues. When are you gonna stop fighting other men's battles? Headed for the slaughter with the cattle. And wish you'd surrender, you're not so fragile keep swimming upstream with a broken paddle and get to higher and get to higher and get to higher dark cell you created your own living hell and wish you could hear the sound of the bell whisper of your soul thought you'd never sell and get to higher and get to higher and get to higher Higher and get to higher 
ground and get too higher and get too higher and get too higher ground get too higher and get too high. All right, I'm going to set my guitar down and uh, so we're going to talk about where we're at in Music City uh, today. So first of all, uh, you know, this is a show, it's a podcast, and one of our big things that we had planned was a show to take place March 22nd, this last Sunday, at the local with some incredible talent. I was going to be the guitar uh, player, uh, musical director, all-star band, incredible talent at the local here in Nashville. And uh, boy, have things changed quickly. So first of all, we got hit with a tornado that uh, devastated Nashville. And um, just from somebody who has driven around all over Nashville, the photos that have been uh, posted around on Facebook and and the internet don't even begin to show the devastation and damage. Uh, I saw a neighborhood in East Nashville that hardly got any attention, you know, mostly five points got, you know, which was obliterated and it's horrible. And there's tons of businesses, venues that got destroyed, including Basement East. And that's horrific. However, I saw a neighborhood in East Nashville uh, just off Shelby, Shelby Bottoms Park that's a valley of maybe 200 homes, and every single one of them is totally destroyed. Uh, they all had the blue tarp uh, on top of on top of it, and all that was there was NES Trucks, which is the electrical company, and um, and and police. Uh, you know, everywhere. There's none of those homes were uh, habitable anymore. They were all totally destroyed. I saw Germantown um, that. Uh, that was completely destroyed. I, I've talked to many people that I helped get from point A to point B, just driving around, that personal friends that lost their home, their car in Germantown. Uh, some of these apartment complexes, condos were condemned because there was gas leaks. And so you just had police just guarding these areas. And it was eerie because there's no electricity. Um, and, uh, interesting story that happened to, to me is, uh, that night that I was in Germantown and I just saw the despair there and I, I, I couldn't figure out how to get to point from point A to point B waves, the waves directions app hadn't caught, uh, caught up with all the roads that were closed. So I had to ask some officers how to get from point A to point B and they were very kind and generous and told me and, uh, and I felt for them because here they are. And, you know, in a really desperate situation, knowing that our police are already understaffed, um, they, uh, 
you know, are underpaid, they're frustrated, and uh, because of budget issues in Nashville, they, you know, they weren't going to be able to pay for their body cameras, which, you know, no police officer in, the, in this day and age wants to work without a body camera to protect them and, and the citizens' best interests. So that very night, I was driving in Donaldson, and there was a police car behind me, I noticed, that had a headlight out. And uh, I decided that I... Just first instinct, after I've seen everything that I saw, I turned around and I did a U-turn and I, I followed where the cop went. And there was uh, two police cars sitting in a Kroger parking lot and I pulled up next to them. And I didn't really know how I was going to do what I needed to do and tell them their headlight was out. And uh, this was literally out of concern for their well-being and citizens as they're racing around in emergency situations. Speeding across town, I thought, who else is going to inform this officer that he, in fact, has a headlight out? So I thought, might as well be me. So I pulled up to these two cars. And uh, one of the – I didn't know how to handle this because it, it all of a sudden occurred to me that I could very well get shot. Uh, and because both police officers, I could tell, were kind of paranoid and they were frustrated. And this one police officer shrugged his shoulders and he basically said, what? Like with his hands in the air doing, you know, gestures. And – I didn't want to get out of the car because I didn't want any sudden movement. So I put the window down and I wasn't sure the, the one cop car was facing towards me. The other, I couldn't see the front and the one that was facing towards me, his headlights seemed to be working fine. So I said, one of your headlights is out. And I yelled it really loudly. And he said, ah, thank you. And gave me the, you know, the, the, uh, you know, okay, thumbs up sign. And I went on with my business. And there's just one of those rare circumstances. I normally don't make a habit of pulling over cops to tell them that, you know, but but just uh, very rare circumstances. And I thought it was the right thing to do. And I didn't, I didn't think anybody else was going to tell them that. So um, things started getting really tough in Nashville, seeing many friends that lost their home, their cars, everything, and knowing how things can go and insurance companies um, you know, are in a situation where they have they have a loss of that, that magnitude. A lot of times, they're going to find ways to cut corners, and so I immediately feel very uh, sorry for all of my friends who lost everything, and and whether they're you know actually going to be reimbursed at a fair market value to replace their home. Um, that is really going to be remain to be seen. Uh, and my first thought is these people need to be working and doing whatever they can to make income. Then comes the virus. And, uh, you know, the first place I heard of that was shut down was the AT&T building. And because they supposedly there was a case of the coronavirus. And my first thought was, boy, I bet you I have some friends that work there that lost their home and their car and they need to be working. And I thought this is this is horrible, horrible luck, you know, and uh, and just for people who don't know, because I, I really spend a lot of time looking at these things and looking at budgets, federal, state, local and the Nashville Metro budget, Davidson County, where three billion in the hole. 
and um, we should be in a surplus with with uh, record tourism, record people moving to Nashville, 100 people a day. Everybody looks at our economy and, and calls us the it city. Uh, we've been looked at as the number two uh, city in terms of job growth uh, after Austin being number one. And yet we are three billion in the hole. And our new mayor had to walk into basically the knowledge that we're going to be in a bankruptcy and a total bankruptcy, as a matter of fact, emergency financial law, um, which is called receivership. Uh, if you want to know more about that, look up uh, Google Nashville receivership, a Forbes article that lays it out. And basically, I'll just sum it up from all my research. Why are we $3 billion in the hole? Well, the truth is the last two mayors have been pretty much criminals, uh, and they have uh, – squandered our wealth. And what they have done is they have given millions in tax incentives to major corporations to, to move here. And I'm a 100% pro-business person. However, I feel very strongly that no state income tax should be plenty incentive for any company to move their business to Nashville. Uh, and what incentive do politicians have to do to, to spice it up with all these extra incentives? Well, to, to make uh, backdoor deals for themselves, to profit themselves. So 100% I'm saying this on our podcast. Yes, our politicians have been corrupted in this boom and they no longer represent us at all. And that leads me to an, another point of, of why we were doing our show and we had to, before even the, the tornado situation happened, um, we had decided to make our show uh, March 22nd at the local a benefit for raising money for home studios, saving home studios, saving home businesses. There's a, a law in the books, an ordinance that I've been aware of at least 10 years that says that in Nashville, in Music City, it is illegal to record in your home studio or have a home-based business for profit, period. That is actually on the books. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, as, as anti-capitalism and everything that our, our society stands for, uh, it, it sounds like something you would find more in communist Russia back in the day. But sure enough, that is the situation here. And so we have a, uh, what I like to say, for lack of a better way to say it, a poster boy for the fact that that can happen to any of us that, uh, that have a home studio, which I'm, I'm uh, recording this in a home studio right now, but I won't tell you where. It's none of your business, Metro, um, which actually everybody's working their home studio right now, and I'll get to that, which is pure I irony. But, uh, but basically... Liz Shaw. Liz Shaw is a producer that uh, one of his mixes uh, that he recorded in his home studio, an elaborate, amazing, beautiful home studio he's had, um, won a Grammy for producing Mike Ferris. And the exposure that he got from that caused the city, the codes, to send him a cease and desist order that told it told him he needed to immediately stop recording for profit in his home studio or he would be uh, 
faced fines, possible jail time, and by the way, he had he was forced to sell most of his gear. Okay, um, not to, doesn't sound like something that should be happening in America or Music City for that matter, a city that was founded and created on music that has has created all the growth, all the tourism. Uh, yet this is what we face in Music City. So Lige. Uh, being a warrior that he is, he got with the Beacon Institute um, and the Justice Institute, I believe it's called. And he fought this in court, sued the city. And uh, from what I understand, it, it cost about two hundred thousand uh, dollars in uh, attorney fees that were fronted for free to to represent his cause by the Beacon Institute, a libertarian uh, group. And now they lost the case in court. And they did not win. But in the process, Lige's story was written up in the Tennessean here locally in Nashville. Uh, It was – he was interviewed in Rolling Stone magazine, Reason magazine, Billboard magazine. And the whole world now is looking at at Nashville and Music City and going, what in the world is happening? Why – why can't you record in your home studios in Nashville? This just seems insane. Uh, now, there's a theory, and I don't know this, so I don't want to start a conspiracy if I don't know it, but it's possible that some believe that it was some of the corporate studios maybe in music on Music Row that maybe lobbied the government for this be the case. They didn't like the competition. They didn't like a lot of the work going to home studios, and, and, and that's possible. I have no way to prove that. Um, and so I'm not going to say that's the truth. That's just, uh, let's say it's a conspiracy at this point now look back at possibly when that could have happened in a time when the music industry was was a a lot healthier when i moved to nashville 20 years ago music industry was much healthier there was uh plenty of uh record labels plenty of people getting record deals tours full-time studio musicians uh, there was, uh, you know, full-time producers, session players. There was a lot of work, and that's when people bought CDs. There was capital. $17 spread around, uh, you know, amongst the community of people involved in this product, uh, whether it be it recording it, producing it, the artist, publishing, all of that. Well, now we have streaming, which is something like point zero 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 zero. 35, you know, fraction of a cent. Uh, and so now what's happening with this growth in Nashville is uh, I call Music Row Condo Row now uh, because most of those, a lot of those corporate studios are no longer. They've been bulldozed and replaced with hotels and condos and uh, all different kinds of entities, but not studios. So Basically, we we live in a reality right now where if we can't record in home studios in Nashville, we can't make records. So in other words, the point I'm getting at, let's say that hypothetically it was corporate studios that lobbied our government. Well, they did that at at a time when Music Row was healthier. Now, many of those studios don't exist. So literally all we have left is to record in our home studios. And so... Uh, there was a group of us that went down to the city council to to basically stand behind Liz Shaw in this case, and we did that very thing. We had the the uh, president of the local AFM two fifty seven uh, with us, and Dave Pomeroy, and a bunch of studio musicians and studio owners, and we got up, and I went up to the city council, and I told them exactly what I thought about this. I told them the whole world is watching them, and I basically 
Uh, basically called them a bunch of authoritarians. And this is all on record. You can find this on YouTube. And, um, and the irony about all of this, first of all, the tornado had just happened. And they were talking about funding for the tornado before we got into addressing our bill. Flash for, and, you know, so at that, that meeting, uh, Lige went up there. He was the last person to speak. He got up there and he sang a song that he wrote with a famous songwriter, um, Tommy, um, oh, geez, Tommy, um, it's it's uh i'll think of it in a second a a great songwriter and he wrote a song called saving home studios and we had a kumbaya movement where the whole court was singing this song and pleading to our local officials and what was uh, ironic is they were actually videotaping us the metro council and uh, who knows whether they're posting it in their instagram stories or not but they were pretty moved by the whole thing and then we had a bunch of local uh, i hate to say it but I'm just going to be direct. Reality, a bunch of older people that didn't want people to have home-based businesses. And there was one lady that actually got up there and said, well, if, if we allow a you know, hairdresser on this corner and a home studio here and an accountant here, pretty soon we're going to be just looking like communist Russia. And we all, we all looked around going, I don't think you really know what you're talking about because we live in a country that's supposed to embrace free markets and business and small businesses. Quite frankly, look at how many innovations happen. We had somebody who got up there um, with an iPhone and, and talked about how uh, you know Steve Jobs started Apple in his in his garage. I think that's the same case with Bill Gates and Microsoft. Literally, these companies were all startups that started very small in their homes, and that is um, you know the American way. And so it was very interesting to see this battle going on. It was all documented. We made our case, and then. It was basically pushed, I believe, to April 7th, where there was going to be – because basically we had a council member that had created an amendment that would get us working in home studios again. Uh, an amendment to this uh, ordinance, it, it wasn't – you know, personally, I think the whole ordinance needed to be uh, struck down. But this amendment was definitely a step in the right direction. We'll get Lige back in business. would allow you to have a client in your home studio. So we went to battle on this. Now, uh, the the tornado had just happened. Flash forward to a week later, and this COVID nineteen thing has engulfed our nation. And you know, we had been forced by governors, mayors to shut down um, restaurants, bars. Our local mayor, John Cooper, told uh, told uh, Broadway, all of our tourist venues where we have live music, what we're known for, to shut down. Um, and uh, there was a few businesses that said, no, we're not going to play ball, not to the governor signed some kind of executive order. And they stayed open, and then eventually they were forced by the police to shut down. And then basically our mayor 
uh, told us that we need to start working from home. And uh, and for musicians, what did that mean? Live streaming at home, recording in home studios, doing a home-based lessons via Skype, FaceTime. So basically, all of the things that we were pleading for our local government to understand why we would need such a thing, and they didn't quite get it, the flash forward the next very next week and they were basically demanding that we work from home and do the very things that we wanted to be doing in the first place so there's your irony um right there so um the local uh jeff reed was one of the last venues that said we're staying open we serve the community we're going to continue to have have music as a matter of fact he opened his his doors earlier in the day to be a, a kind spirit and open his door to artists and bands that were missing their regular gigs and work on uh lower broadway and he was having them come in to perform at his venue and he was going to stay open he was a trooper and uh, even though it got harder and more difficult to move forward with the show that we had planned. We decided rain or shine, we're going to do it. Then what happened is uh, I got a uh, text from the keyboard player and our uh, house band. And he told me that Dan, listen, I, I have been told by my wife that I can't do our show any longer. Um, my, um, my wife's uh, parents, my in-laws are older and we're in contact with them all the time. I have a child and from what we've been told, you could be a carrier of this virus. I, I don't feel like it's the right thing for me to do this. I don't want to hurt them, get them sick. I totally understood that and said, you know, I I fully understand that, Walt. And that was two days before our show. Oh, no, it was two days before the rehearsal for our show. And bear in mind that the band was playing with about five, four artists, each about six songs. So there's about 24 songs to learn in two days' time. And, you know, this show is all about qual quality. I didn't want it to be rushed. And I thought, boy, there's no way that we can pull this off. And I also didn't know in, in this time period if... Uh, if Jeff was going to be able to stay open if the city didn't, in fact, do what they did on Lower Broadway and force him to shut down. So I had kind of made up a backup plan of doing uh, the show as a live stream at our studio where we're doing our podcasts and live streaming for, for artists. Um, so I basically, I brought that information, a group text to our artist about uh, our keyboard player, Walt Scott. And they basically, I said, listen, I'll go, you know, I, this is up to you. You guys tell me what you want to do. And two or three of the artists said, yeah, I think it's time to call it, Dan. I, I think, you know, there's there's too many odds against us. So let's, you know, reschedule this show in healthier times. And I, and I said, I agree uh, at this point. And I, I've never canceled gig in my life. I'm going to be 46 years old, April 17th. And, um, I, you know, I've been playing music in bars and putting together bands since I was 13 years old, playing in 21 and up clubs and my whole life making most of my living playing music. I've never canceled an event in my life when I was forced to in this situation. There's, there was nothing I could do. It was like swimming upstream at this point. So the very second after I made a decision to, to pull the plug, I was going to go on the Music City uh, Revival Facebook page. 
which if you haven't liked, go to Facebook and like the Music City Revival page and also visit our website, musiccityrevival.live, to learn more about what we're doing, hear our podcast and learn hear our artists and, and learn what we're doing. And so I was going to post about having to cancel our event. And I see, the first thing I see on Facebook was a post from Jeffrey, the owner of the local, showing a video and photos that that night before his venue was broken into, somebody threw a huge rock, broke through the glass window, and robbed a bunch of stuff in his venue. And he had to make the decision to close his venue. He boarded up um, all of the windows and decided he had to close until the the mayor decided they could open back up again. So pure fate, there was no way we could go ahead with the show anyways. It was just meant to be to to reschedule this show. And um, so we basically, and now I've also found out three other venues and restaurants slash bars have been broken into in a very similar fashion. And this is only beginning. It's going to happen in, in on, unfortunately, on, on a much greater level all over the city, all across the nation, the world, when these venues are, are shut, people are going to be starving because of the financial implications of, uh, unfortunately, a depression we're being uh, thrown into because the vulnerability of, of the major banks uh, that were already collapsing and the fact that we've shut down our whole economy, the ramifications of the stock market, all of this, there are going to be people, the average American and citizen of the world, you know, lives hand to mouth and has enough food and resources and money to last about a week before they, you know, within two weeks they've run out of food, they're starving unfortunately there are going to be people that are going to resort to crime and so we've had four venues that I know of uh, the local being one uh, we've had the uh, Peg, uh, Pork Lake Porker uh, is one Tennessee Brew Works, which I have a show scheduled for my group, Dan Hagen Band, which, by the way, you can hear my music uh, at danhagenmusic.com, and that's H-A-G-E-N. So my band was going to play at Tennessee Brew Works April thir- uh, 11th. Uh, that's a Saturday from 2 to 3.45, and I saw that they were broken into. Now, it appears they are doing live streams, so it, it's possible that my show could go on, and, and the local is also doing live streams, but both with no audiences. Uh, the other is the Live Oak. So we've had the local Peg Oak Porker, Tennessee Brew Works, Live Oak. All of them had rocks uh, thrown through the window, broken into, robbed. Um, so this is the new normal, unfortunately, we're facing. So there's a lot of obstacles we're facing in Music City right now. And we're all trying to figure this out. But I can just tell you that the irony that I uh, came together and created this vision for something called Music City Revival, which, you know, the first implication of revival is a spiritual one. As a believer, I, I, I wanted to start praying for our country and our city and, and, uh, and, and glorify God. And I found out, I started looking, and there was uh, all across Tennessee— uh, there was revivals happening in churches, which is really interesting. And my mother found the same articles, and I thought, boy, I definitely am not planning all this. This is I'm a vessel. But, you know, people started asking me, well, revival from what, Dan? You know, this is before the tornadoes. 
before um, you know the virus, and people are asking me, "Well, what does revival mean? Why do you, why do you need a revival in Tennessee?" And boy, I don't think I have to answer that question anymore. Why we need a revival? Uh, we certainly do. So I would say this is all set in, in uh, you know ordained and divine motion that all of this is happening because now here, though our show was canceled. Hey, we are going to be working in the studio uh, with Zach and Tom, recording artists, doing live stream events, producing them, writing with them, and helping set up uh, new ways for them to uh, navigate through this new music industry, ways to stream from our Music City uh, Revival.Live page, sell their merchandise. You know, I, I just pulled something out uh a uh, piece of paper when I was visioning late night what this whole thing is and uh, and different things I, I wanted to ultimately create that as the new music industry, that if I could put all these things in one, and now I'm realizing this is where we're moving towards. And one is to, to have a, a tip jar entity that uh, we can help artists you know, uh, make more money. I just was thinking about lower Broadway, even in healthier times. And you look at, say, a lot of these uh, artists that are playing for just tips, okay? And, you know, maybe you know these are tourist venues and, and tourists tend to have more cash. But I, I would venture to guess that because most of these artists' bands are only, you know, accepting cash, that they might be taking, clearing 30 to 40% of the profit that they could be if they had some kind of digital app. So, you know, that's really important. So I thought about that desire, and, and uh, soon you will find out I've partnered with a company who has revisioned all this and created a, a, an app that is going to do everything you could possibly imagine that's needed to help fulfill artists' uh, uh, in modern times into maximizing their profit. And I'll be telling you more about that as time goes on. I signed a non-disclosure, so not until about a month when this company launches. Then I can tell you more, but uh, keep uh, your eye on our website, and I'll be talking more about that and sharing that with you in, in ways that that you can profit off this and help your, your business as an artist or a band or singer-songwriter doing live streams uh, from your own home or anywhere. So a school, you know, that uh, I've been in education Educator my whole life, uh, educating people in and uh, you know whether it be guitar, voice, and and different instruments, and uh, so studios. You know we have a studio here. I also work with uh, these two great engineers. Done projects at Blackbird, and we'll do some projects some other studios. A label. I see this whole thing turning into a label, uh, a, a record label, Music City Revival, a publishing company doing branding, social media, venue, like a home base venue, um, streaming service, clinics, rehearsal studio, videotaping. Um, we've got been teaming with Center Stage Magazine. Tommy Lemon's been doing videotaping. Uh, you'll be seeing a lot of our podcasts will soon be in the visual format on video. Uh, a jingle house. So, you know, I have a lot of experience writing jingles um, for big companies, you know, you know, a dozen uh, reality shows, music for reality shows on CMT, Trick My Truck, Coyote Ugly, Hulk Hogan's Championship Wrestling. The first one I did was called Man vs. Vegas, done, you know, close to a dozen Tennessee lottery spots, um, commercials, um, you know, lots of major companies. And, and I found that 
um, that my, I was competing with big jingle houses and, and my, just me as a single person and pulling teams together was able to be very competitive and, and always used real music, real musicians and uh, the companies and clients I had saw the value in that, 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 that it was similar to the music you're hearing on the radio and people weren't turning off my jingles. They were, uh, they were listening to them like it was real music and I actually won some awards, some Addy awards, uh, in that process. And so I see the need now for companies, local, national, international companies for jingles to write music for their TV, uh, radio ads. So one of the things I want to do is team with artists, our talent roster, and whether it be using their pre-existing songs as artists or writing with them, uh, new custom songs for companies, uh, that's something we're going to be involved in and making these artists brand ambassadors, even, you know, doing some modeling for these companies. Um, all outside of the box things, you know, these big jingle houses don't exist anymore. The big marketing companies, the labels, all, you know, this whole situation that we're in right now, everything is going to change. Everything, you know, so many of these venues that have closed down, the financial reality is most of them were living right up to their means, uh, like the average American dealing with inflation, rising costs in Nashville, so many uh, properties, finding that their lease doubled or tripled, you know, and, uh, you know, in terms of a restaurant, you can't double or triple the the, the, uh, prices on your menu. People aren't going to pay that. Same with music venues. A lot of them got to their, their breaking point and they were, you know, not making enough profit for it to be sustainable. Well, we live in a situation right now. We have no idea. Is it two months? Is it 12 months before local state federal governments say we can open back up that we've, we've gone through the hardest part of this coronavirus. It's time to get back to business. Well, you know, I can tell you for a fact talking to some lo- local restaurant owners, Tom Morales, who's owned a huge group of restaurants since I've been in town 20 years, you know, at least five or six restaurants. Um, he went on the business journal, was interviewed, National Business Journal, and confessed, listen, I am paying payroll to 500 and 500 plus people and paying, you know, still paying these people. But he said, I've got two months where I can do this before I got to declare bankruptcy, okay? And Tom is more, you know, much better well off, let's put it that way, than a lot of other businesses. Talking to Jeff Reed, you know, a couple months, I'll tell you this. From what I understand, your average local business, restaurant, bar, music venue has about two months of capital in savings, that if they are not back open and the tourists aren't coming back and the conventions back in Music City, they will close down, they will go out of business, and thousands of people will be unemployed. And those restaurants, those venues will not be coming back. This is a dire situation. And I'm not going to remark on what's right or what's wrong in terms of government. I personally fall on the free market side. I feel like the free market can solve a lot more problems and that this financial uh, situation causing a Great Depression, uh, like unparalleled. Um, I think this is going to cause a lot more problems. I think it's going to cause supply and demand issues. And and uh, I very well take this whole virus very seriously. And I've spoken to a lot of doctors about this situation. And um, and I'm looking at both sides of the issue, but from a pure financial standpoint, if we keep businesses closed, whether right or wrong. You decide how you feel about that. 
there will be a breaking point where these venues will not open again. We will have millions of in unemployed. And we're talking about local government, a federal government that's that's twenty three trillion dollars in debt and in the Federal Reserve System that that. You know, funds everything is now having to bail out the major banks upwards of, uh, you know, a a trillion dollars a day or they will crash. The whole system will come crashing down. The the, uh, federal government just passed a stimulus bill that's six trillion dollars. None of this is is sustainable. Anyone who understands economics knows that we'll deal with hyperinflation. And that $1,000, $1,500 are given to the average household won't be able to pay the bills and won't be able to even pay for groceries. You know, hyperinflation, just anybody who doesn't understand what this means, look up a Zimbabwe trillion dollar bill. That means the value of your currency, the more the printing, the central banks print, the less value it has and the cost of goods and your average services go up and the dollar has less value against the, those those prices that have gone up. That's inflation. We will deal with hyperinflation. These are facts, okay? And so, you know, we've got a real crisis on our hands altogether. And I don't have all the answers, and I'm not going to get too political except just telling you the reality that we face. Now, in Nashville, what has happened is a whole lot of us have adapted. You'll see your average musician is doing live streams from their homes, other studios, even venues, and they're doing band performances, and they've got their Venmo and their PayPal and and different tip jar apps, and they're asking for money. This is how we're going to survive nowadays. So, you know, there there could be a situation where in in the future, uh, a lot of uh, these artists won't need the venues, you know, that they've found a way to do it themselves. So, you know, everything will change. And, um, you know, we are forced to adapt. And I'm very grateful that I've teamed with an incredible team from an audio team, to an incredible home studio to incredible video crew, incredible artists that we are ready to adapt and have, have, you know, Know, created an entity that's way ahead of the curve, and we're going to bring be bringing in new talent. And so, uh, you know, in the beginning when we did this show, uh, when I was announcing this show, I, I told a lot of artists, "Hey, I'm not taking submissions anymore because I had my talent," which is true, and I didn't want to be overwhelmed and and tell people no. But you know, we also and and you know, we're going to continue working this talent, but we're also dealing with. Some of our artists now are in forced quarantines. They're not going to be able to come back to Nashville. Uh, so as soon as they do, we will be working with them. But at this time, we're opening up the doors to other artists that want to work with us, write with us, want to uh, you know record with us, and want to be developed. Need that you know that that work. That's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be adapting to all these situations. So. Um, so that is kind of where we are at with Music City. So I, I want to talk about something, you know, another side of this whole coronavirus that not enough people are talking about. You know, we have doctors and scientists, rightfully so, telling us, wash our hands, uh, social distancing, quarantining. Okay, great. Do that voluntarily. Fantastic. How many are you hearing talking about building up your immune system? You know, zero. I've not heard anybody talking about this, but I will tell you 100% that 
having a strong immunity, eating fresh veggies, greens, fruit, uh, less meat, taking the dairy out, drinking clean water, healthy water, um, is your best best chance of surviving a virus, either not even getting the virus or making sure that that your body's immunity is at this highest level so that it can combat um, you know, all, all of, uh, the, you know, these viruses that are coming their way, even the regular flu. And this is so important because you can wash your hands, you know, all day long, but if your immunity is low, you could be very vulnerable and very hurt, sick, and possibly even die from, you know, a virus like this. So they might not be telling you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you about Kangen water, alkalized water. You know, I have not had the flu in eight years. I haven't had a flu shot. And there's a reason for that, and it all started with drinking kangen water, a Nagic. It's a company out of Japan, Okinawa, Japan, and it's a company my brother got involved with eight years ago, and now my whole family, we all have these machines. I have a really high-grade medical filter in my home. It's called a SD501. The mother company is called the Nagic. We call it kangen, kangen water. In Japanese, kangen means back to origin, okay? And so what they did is they study the properties of of glacial water, this perfect water. Gave, God gave us perfect water, just like food and everything else. We've corrupted it. And this water is, you know, perfect water that has the, the highest properties, a high pH level, uh, 9.5 pH level. So all disease, all cancer, um, all comes from acidity in, in the cells. And this is science. This is not just making something up. Um, this goes back to uh, Dr. Otto Warburg, a, a German um, uh, scientist, physicist, that that uh, and doctor that won the uh, Nobel uh, Prize in 1931, proving that all disease and all cancer stems from acidity in the cells, and that disease and sickness cannot live in a fully alkaline environment, and that means in an alkaline cell. Okay, and so what I'm here to tell you is that not this kangen water. Has, has not healed me from sickness or stopped me from being sickness. All it has done is raise my immunity level to its highest level so that my body, which is the greatest medical invention ever created, has the ability to, to battle viruses, bacteria, and all the, the, the bad things. So it, it's my body that's healing itself. The problem is we put all these toxic things in our body and sodas and, and an unhealthy American diet, and then our body Body is not able to heal on its highest level. So that's what this water has done for me. And it started a chain reaction where eventually, you know, I used to tell people in water demos, and an ideal, I would tell people, in, you know, in an ideal world, if I ever got cancer, what I would do is I'd continue to drink this water. I'd go to all plant-based lifestyle, which is an, the alkaline version in food. I would, you know, um, take turmeric and vitamin B12 and and, you know, I had a long list. And, and then what I started doing over time is said, hey, well, I'm just going to start doing all these things so I don't get cancer. And um, then, you know, flash forward a few years when a friend of mine, Brandy, our co-host, who, by the way, is not here today because she is in quarantine with her older parents and, and taking care of them and not out and about because she doesn't want to expose them. She's doing the right thing. And uh, we support her in that. She challenged me to plant-based challenge. And I've 
you know, philosophically had already decided that that was the right thing to do for me. I didn't have the strength and that led me to living a plant-based lifestyle. And, uh, and I, and, and I have turmeric in my kale smoothies every day. I'm getting plenty of, uh, you know, fresh veggies, fruits. And, um, by the way, another thing, there's a doctors, you know, it's amazing. We're just finding out that in large doses of vitamin C, people are curing, uh, you know, this coronavirus. And just, you know, I just, I did a Google search and two weeks ago, quote unquote, science was telling us vitamin C had zero ability to uh, fight off coronavirus. And, and boy, now that is not science. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that we've gotten so far away from reality and this holistic approach and preventative medicine that, you know, that we kind of think that we have to have a big pharma uh, drip, IV drip 24 seven to, to live or we can't function, you know? Um, the truth is none of those things are true. And I'm not saying I'm against those type of things, but we should first deal with things on a preventative side. And I, I find it very bizarre that our society has gone so far from reality and truth that we literally have scientists debating whether vitamin C is even healthy for us, you know, and thank God that we have the actual actual hospitals in New York that are proving this that is not the case. And, and there's also uh, chloroquine. That is something that people have used for malaria medicine. And there's a lot of debate on this. I've seen the studies. There are studies there. Yes, it is working. No, we do, do not encourage drinking fish tank uh, liquids or whatever some crazy guy was doing. There's a, there's a lot of misinformation. Uh, and we have to, you know, push the FDA to legalize these things. Um, you know, that's very important. But the, the bottom line is, you know, Drinking the best water that you can. And if you're interested in learning more about um, Kangen water, go to our website and you'll find a link that will go to to my website. And that's the musiccityrevival.live website. But you can go straight to my website, learn about Kangen water, danshealthywater.com, danshealthywater.com. And if you want to go to products, you can look at the different filters there and different ways you can buy them. And you can contact me. I'd, I'd be happy to share more. If you live in Nashville, I'll give you 30 days of free water fill-ups to try this water. Uh, but I think it's very important to be using all the holistic approaches to um, you know, raising your immune system level to the, the highest capacity as possible in these times. And you're not getting this message from, from you know, very you know, in no sources, the FDA, the CDC, the WHO, none of these people are t- telling you these basic common sense things uh, that we should be doing. And, and I find that, you know, in this mass his, uh, hysteria and, and panic buying that all the, not only is all the toilet paper gone, but people are complaining all the red meat's gone. And I'm seeing people joking, going, look, the only thing left is beyond meat, plant-based meat and veggies and all these things are full. And and they're laughing, and I'm thinking, well, gee, maybe some of us plants, plant-based people would be the only people left, because in a lot of cases, all the food that we're consuming is still there. And so, you know, you laugh now, and I'm not telling everybody that you need to be a vegan or plant-based, but I am telling you that if you consume less red meat, less dairy, and more fruits and veggies, more healthy water, yes, you will be healthier. I, I guarantee you, you know, that science backs that up, that it's not a conspiracy. And so those are the things I want to encourage you that you're not getting the memo about. Um, and so, you know, that's an important thing. 
I, I want to leave you because there's, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of trains of thought about there. And should the government be closing everything down? And, you know, can the government pay our bills? And I, I want to leave you with a quote um, that I think is very important in these times. And it's by Ben Franklin. And he says, um, those that would tr- trade valuable liberty for temporary safety desi- deserve and will get neither. You know, I posted that on Facebook and people like said, in what context, whatever, in every context, you know, we're talking about a time when King George was confiscating guns and, and, you know, fully taking people's liberty. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I believe that, that free markets and voluntarism are some of the greatest solutions out there and that, you know, that bankrupt governments and authoritarian governments cannot give us all the best choices, um, you know, that we need to fight a, a virus like this. And so, I, you know, it's, it's very evident in the case of Washington, where there was a free market company creating tests to test for the uh, COVID-19 and the uh the FDA and the, and the CDC told them they had to stop doing that. Well, they ignored them and they broke the law by doing it and kept doing it. And it's only because of this free market company that we knew how quickly this virus was spreading. So that's a perfect example that that government bureaucracies are not always the best solutions and that independent people, businesses, and the free market can often, you know, produce much better solutions. And that, that's something that's, you know, very important uh, to understand. So, you know, I just want to also talk about something that is being overlooked right now uh, with all the things that are going on. And, and that is this whole debate on the Music Modernization Act, okay? And if you don't know that, it, this has to do with um, that, you know, Spotify and, and uh, the streaming companies and, and Apple and um, – and Pandora, you know, the, 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 like I said, when I first moved to Nashville, people bought CDs for $17 that, you know, went, was what was, uh, divided by the artist, the label, the talent, the writers, producers, um, you know, session players, all that. That's how everybody got paid. And then now we're in a situation, then went to downloads, you know, dollar song. And now we're left with streaming that pays something like point zero 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 three five cents um it's it's so low i i you know i i'm not sure the exact rate but it's it's very similar to that that um is totally unsustainable um and uh i talked to a guy recently that had 35 million uh uh streams on spotify and that equaled two hundred thousand dollars now when you talk about the travel going back and forth from nashville and paying taxes in new york and what he's taking home you know i'm i'm just gonna say that it is nothing close to what that artist should be getting for his work and so we have the music modernization act where bmi ascap and CSAC have, have gone to uh, court. It, it, you know what? I think it's, I'm not sure if CSAC is in. I know for sure BMI, ASCAP, I'm a BMI writer of a publishing company under BMI, and they have gone to battle for us in this. And, and I fully support the Music Modernization Act, and it's 40% more of that current streaming, streaming rate that we're getting. And I fully support it. But it did not take me long after studying all this information to realize 40% of 
$0.35 is all but maybe one sushi meal for an artist in a year. That's about it. At at the at the most for an indie artist that is you know doing you know tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of streams you know in a year at the very most it it's going to equate to one sushi meal so and we're going to battle and and companies like Spotify are fighting us over this okay they're they're fighting us a lot of other companies are fighting us and they don't want us to win so you should really think about these companies and whether you want to be doing business or whether you should be pulling your music and and streaming it right from your website where you have product that's where our model is moving to with Music City Revival we're going to start having our artists pull the music from Spotify, even iTunes, all these, and sell it and stream it on our website where they're going to get most all of the money. And they're also going to have their products and merch that they can sell there. And also working with sponsors and different companies that will be doing kickbacks with, you know, why give out all the revenue to all these companies that are fighting, you know, us to, to get a fair wage, you know, unless you're on so many playlists that Spotify is, you feel is such a great thing. It's really opened so many doors, which I, I would say, you know, is not the case for most indie artists. I would say that most indie artists are bringing all the traffic, all their listeners to these formats, to the Spotify, the Apple, um, to which Apple has gone, gone away from downloads. There's going to be a fully streaming sor- service now. Pandora, you know, Hardly any of those companies are bringing outside people to the artists. I'm pretty confident, besides playlists, concept of playlists, the average indie artist is bringing their people to these outside platforms from hard work touring, from marketing on social media, from their their warm base, from their friends and family. They are bringing all those people there. Well, if you're bringing all the people to these format, why give up all the profit to these outside companies. Why not stream like, you know, streaming isn't working for us, but I don't think we can really take the crack away from the consumer right now. They're pretty addicted to the stream. So what if we just stream on our websites? That is what we're going to do. And while you have them there, instead of seeing the odds, the corporate, the ads, the corporate sponsors that Spotify is working with, why don't you, uh, you know, work with other companies that are local companies or, you know, that that you can, um, you know, work with and that, that you can basically, you know, share the profit. And that, that's one of the, uh, the things that we're, we're looking at. So I, I want to talk about uh, Music City Revival, uh, dot Live right now, who some of our sponsors are. Um, Center Stage Magazine, which we've been doing streaming from, they're they're uh, a like-minded organization helping indie artists. Tommy does all of our filming, and uh, they're a great company to work for. I've you know been working with uh, them with different artists for a couple years, and they're fantastic. Uh, Freebird is a company that uh, Brandy is an artist that works with them, and and what they do, Freebird, uh, basically. Uh, is a third-party app that allows you to call a rideshare, an Uber, Lyft, and you're getting uh, money back every time you use their service because they're teaming with different restaurants and bars in your area, um, and they're basically giving you free money. We had worked up a situation for our event where we had a free bird code, Music City Revival. Actually, the code was called Revival. Um 
And uh, we were going to, for a $10 admission fee, we were going to give you $15 back from Freebird. So that's, that's a great service. We want to promote them, a great company. And, and we surely hope that they can survive these times because they're based on restaurants and bars. And I, I pulled up the Freebird app today and, you know, they're, they're you know, it's, it's Walgreens and different things and a few restaurants, but things have changed quickly. They're going to need to survive. So if you want to save money on ride shares, you know, just going to Kroger, the grocery store, um, download the Freebird app and use it instead of calling a, an Uber Lyft directly from those apps. You'll find it very handy. I've made a lot of money on the side by helping people do that very thing. American Songwriter. Um, that is an incredible um, company that's been supporting artists and writers for years. They help to promote our show and their Instagram stories. And um, I met with my friend Jessica, who's a director, Havrat, Havat, I think is her last name. Um, and, you know, so we're helping to promote them on our website. It's a great company and um, they're doing all kinds of outside of the box things to help artists nowadays. Another company is Silly, and that is a company that has products that have all the vitamins, nutrients that penetrate on a cellular level, just like Kangen Water does. And our, our webmaster, Ted Metz, is uh, highly involved with that company. And so we want to promote them. Kongan Water is another one that uh, we talked about. And we're going to have more sponsors on our, on our uh, first of all, our pod, our first two podcast episodes are on iTunes right now on, on Apple, iTunes, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's unfortunately labeled under Music City right now. There was an error I'm working out with Apple to get it changed to Music City Revival. But regardless, you can hear our webs, uh, hear our podcast on Apple. Under Music City, hopefully soon to be called Music City Revival. Please subscribe to that. Give us all the five stars and reviews. We need that. Um, and um, so uh, you can also hear our podcast on our um our our page, our webpage, and that's music once again, music city revival dot live. Um go under podcast and you can hear those. Um we've got two incredible episodes we're happy about. Soon we will have the filmed version of the first uh two podcasts. This third one, we're just doing the audio version and uh this will be up very soon on iTunes. So I just want to uh thank you for the uh, taking the time um to listening. Uh and uh, support. I, I want to tell you now is a great time if you have any extra money. I know people have lost their jobs, but all those artists that are out, you know, live streaming, give them a tip. Any of our artists, give them a tip. You know, um, you know, we need help to get through this time period. Keep an eye on the Music uh, City Revival Facebook page. We'll be um, giving you updates on shows. As a matter of fact, this Friday, Tom Brem is going to be doing a live stream from what is that uh, company that he's doing? What is this site that he's going to be doing it from? Well, we'll I'll tell you what, we will um, share a link um, f from the uh, Music City Revival Facebook page. But we're going to be performing um, this Friday at 7 p.m. Keep an eye on the Music City Revival uh, Facebook page for that. It's called Honky Tonk History. And that and that's uh, where that's Honky Tonk History Facebook. Um. 
regardless, uh, we will be sharing that on the Music City Revival Facebook page. Uh, we thank you for tuning in. We're going to have more live stream events, uh, new music. We just, just in the studio this week here, uh, Corey and I recorded the song Dear Future that is amazing, positive song, positive message, beautiful song that will be released very soon. Live on the Lost Highway is where Tom and I are going to be streaming from this Friday at 7 p.m. But uh, like I said, uh, we have the song Dear Future. Keep an eye out for that. We'll be releasing that song very soon. We thank you for listening to us. We are Music City Revival, and we will talk to you soon. Stay healthy, well, and prosper in these times. (laughs) 